all of this uh, month for Women's History Month, I would do my episodes in what would not play music. But since this is the last episode for a while and the last uh, wonderful Women Wednesday for Women's History Month, I decided for this amazing woman, I would open up the episode with my song intro called Wonderful. everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the Ladies Promoting Transparent Advocacy Podcast. I am your podcast host, Shay Pate. And this tune is called Wonderful. So I thought it would be a good tune to start off my Wonderful Women Wednesday. Sit back as we celebrate a wonderful woman. Here we go. And enjoy the episode. This morning, we look back at the incredible, and I mean incredible, life of Madeleine Albright, the first woman to serve as U.S. Secretary of State. She died yesterday of cancer. She was 84. Albright served four years at the State Department under President Bill Clinton. We'll talk with him shortly about her legacy. But first, Chief Washington Correspondent Major Garrett shows us how a former refugee from authoritarian rule rose to become a global defender of democracy. I, Madeline Corbell Albright, do solemnly swear, do solemnly swear, Madeline Albright became Secretary of State in 1997, at the time the highest ranking woman ever in American government. Albright rose from U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations, where she backed NATO bombing to halt war crimes against Bosnian Muslims. She had a reputation for tough talk, like this after Cuba shot down two U.S. civilian planes flown by exiles. This is not cojones. This is cowardice. Albright was born in Czechoslovakia in 1937. Her family was forced to flee the Nazis and then communism, coming to America as refugees in 1948. As Secretary of State, she clashed with Saddam Hussein in Iraq and became the highest-ranking U.S. official to meet North Korea's Kim Jong-il. Albright mixed it up well with men, but looked out for women. Just remember, there's a special place in hell for women who don't help each other. (laughs) Albright became known the world over for her brooches. She called them her pins, worn to convey her mood. So when people would say, what are you doing today? I'd say, read my pins. General Colin Powell. One of Albright's last public appearances was delivering a eulogy at Colin Powell's funeral. For his virtues were Homeric, honesty, dignity, loyalty, and an unshakable commitment to his calling and word. Former President Clinton called Albright a passionate force for freedom, democracy, and human rights. I am often asked, am I an optimist or a pessimist? I reply that I'm an optimist who worries a lot. Major Garrett, CBS Mornings, Washington. I wanted to play that, and as you heard, that was from CBS Mornings right after it was known that she passed. I wanted to play that because I always like to play videos of people in their own words. And everyone, and I'm going to be honest, including myself, always will remember that she will be known as the first ever female United States Secretary of State. 
we're going to talk about that, but she is a lot more. So, you know, I'm just going to read a few things about her. And I'm going to also play another video um, where you can just hear something that she's speaking about in her own voice. Those who know me know that the number 19 is very special to me. And I found a speech where uh, Madeline Albright, she addressed the class of 2019 at Georgetown University. And she inspires students not only to understand the world, but to serve the world. And she's quoted as saying, I love teaching at Georgetown. I'm sometimes known as secretary, but most of all, I like being known as professor. So listen to this speech real quick. I am so proud of my association with SFS and the fact that I have become a part of the fabric of this community. I even get a kick out of the fact that my house is on the admissions tour. There are many things that I love about being a professor at the School of Foreign Service, but I have to say a highlight is getting to work closely with extraordinary students. I love teaching at Georgetown. I'm sometimes known as secretary, but most of all, I like being known as professor. One of the truly great pleasures of having taught here as long as I have is the opportunity to encounter former students in a different capacity as business people, as colleagues of the State Department, or as diplomatic counterparts overseas. And as the years passed, I've been gratified to see so many Georgetown SFS graduates rise to the upper levels of government, including the presidency of the United States. On a personal level, I will forever be grateful to President Clinton for the opportunity he gave me an immigrant and a refugee to represent the United States of America. I teach a course. I say that foreign policy is just trying to get some country to do what you want and what are the tools. So my course is called the National Security Toolbox. And I make clear to the students that we're not a new country, uh, that it is not a course in current events, and that we need to understand the historical background of how different tools developed our decision-making process. You can't exist in the world without diplomacy and diplomats that you trust. I do think that public service is the epitome of doing the right thing. We are problem solvers who understand history and understand the importance of participation. We are not spectators in history. We are participants in history. One of my favorite quotes is something like, the older I get, the younger are my teachers. And so I am learning a lot from my students. I just wanted you guys to hear that. And as I said, I like to play people's own words. And I like what she says. You know, I've always believed, just for me personally, that when you're gifted with something, whether it's talent of being an athlete, a singer, a, a doctor, a lawyer, a uh, person who details cars, a painter, a lawn care person, electrician, I mean, it doesn't need a nurse and, doc you know, it doesn't matter what you do as long as you do it well. But also that's talking about professionally, but as she mentions, as a person, a person that gives back, a person that, you know, I'm a student at all times. So I like learning at all times. And I really like that she loves teaching and 
I just love the positiveness of the message that she gave the class of 2019 and thought you guys should hear it. Now, I apologize. I normally don't do this, but this woman is so magnificent. Everything I'm going to read about her, people are actually saying. So what I decided to do is I'm not even going to read all the stuff I printed. I'm going to let you listen to it. And, of course, I always list my sources so you can go and find this out. But the the professionals are just putting it out there. So I want you guys to just listen and look at this episode of this wonderful woman that we're celebrating at the end of Women's History Month. And it's just so much. Uh, like I said, there's no way. I like to hear people talk about people in a professional manner to a height of uh, backlogs of information, which the major media has. Now, I have a lot of research and actually everything that I was going to read everybody's saying so I I, I want to do this differently today I am going to play a lot of things so look at this as me saluting Madam Secretary at a international level and putting it all together in one place so look at this episode of honoring the amazing Madeline Albright but let you hear people talk about all the amazing things she is not just Madam Secretary of State. She was so much more than that. And she came from humble beginnings. And I love the fact that she just fought for so many things, you know, and um, I just want you all, I, I, I just want to do this. This is a, um, a video and it's on YouTube and I will list the source and the link. This is a video that PBS it's, it's on PBS NewsHour, but I'm I'm letting you listen to the audio that's on uh, YouTube. This is an amazing tribute to Madam Secretary Madeline Albright. Check this out. Here in Washington, she was known as just Madeline. Most everyone in politics, statecraft, and journalism instantly know who that was. From the very heights of government and diplomacy to fierce advocacy for democracy and refugees, Madeleine Albright set a new and trailblazing standard. The first woman to become Secretary of State died this afternoon in Washington and leaves quite a legacy. Here's Nick Schifrin. From her childhood fleeing Nazis to in the 90s becoming the highest ranking woman in U.S. history, Madeleine Albright was guided by one principle. I so believe that we are all the same and we want to be able to make decisions about our own lives and the only way to do that is through democracy. She was born Marie Jana Korbelova in 1937 in Prague, Czechoslovakia. Her family lived under Nazi occupation and then communism before fleeing first for London and then Colorado. Marie became Madeline and, at age 20, a U.S. citizen. In the 1970s, she entered Democratic politics and worked on President Carter's National Security Council staff. She then became a professor of international affairs at Georgetown University, focused on the Soviet Union. Also with us tonight is a Soviet expert from Georgetown University in Washington. She's Madeleine Albright. The West keeps the pressure up. It is possible that they will make further concessions and further admissions, but we are not awfully good at predicting Soviet behavior. In 1993, President Bill Clinton named her ambassador to the United Nations. I'm Madeleine Corbell Albright. And then in 1997, the country's first female Secretary of State, she was confirmed unanimously. Madeleine Albright has the strength and wisdom to help ensure that America remains the indispensable nation. In that role, she pushed for NATO's expansion east. The new expanded NATO is a not contrary to Russia, 
but in fact is uh, being designed in order to help provide security and stability in Central and Eastern Europe. In response to Serbia's ethnic cleansing of Kosovar Albanians in the former Yugoslavia, she led the charge for NATO intervention. The bombing campaign lasts 78 days. Why did you feel so passionately about Kosovo? Because it isn't just Kosovo, Jim. It is what was going on in the region. When we were fighting Hitler, it wasn't just Hitler. It was fighting against fascism. When we were fighting against Stalin, it wasn't just the cruelty of a totalitarian dictator like Stalin. It was against communism that extinguished people's ability to be free. And when we're dealing with a uh, now indicted war criminal such as Milosevic, it isn't just him. It is uh, struggling against a concept which is that it is uh, not appropriate, possible, or permissible for one um, man to uncork ethnic nationalism as a weapon. In a visit to Kosovo following the campaign, Albright was greeted as a hero and expressed a hope for Europe that is still unrealized. Never again will houses and villages be burned, and never again will there be massacres and mass graves. When she used those words, she hadn't yet learned her own family's history. Her parents were born Jewish, but converted to Catholicism and invented a Christian history to protect their family. 26 family members died in the Holocaust. I had no idea. And it's one thing to find out you're Jewish, which is does add to interest to an already complex background, but another to find out that relatives had died in concentration camps. And that was a stunning shock. In 2001, she left public office, but her consulting group remained influential, and she continued to advocate for democracy, including in Ukraine. I do not speak for my country anymore, but I do speak as chairman of the National Democratic Institute. We want very much to be in Ukraine to be supportive, not only of the elections, but of all the work that is going to have to take place afterwards. She endorsed Senator Hillary Clinton in 2008 and again in 2016 after Clinton had served in her old job. Just remember, there's a special place in hell for women who don't help each other. In 2012, President Barack Obama awarded her the Presidential Medal of Freedom. This, this is one of my favorite stories. Uh, once at a naturalization ceremony, an Ethiopian man came up to her and said, only in America can a refugee meet the Secretary of State. And she replied, only in America can a refugee become the Secretary of State. Her personality always larger than her 4 foot 11 stature. Always humble. Always funny. Albright's family today called her a loving mother, grandmother, sister, aunt, and friend. Madeline Albright was 84 years old. For the PBS NewsHour, I'm Nick Sherman. And just moments ago, I spoke with former President Bill Clinton by phone from his home in New York. President Clinton, thank you so much for joining us. So we're so sorry for your loss. We know that you and Secretary Clinton were, were very close uh, to Madeleine Albright. What are you remembering tonight? I'm remembering, first of all, how proud I was of her to, and the way she conducted herself at the United Nations and at the State Department. And secondly, I've been thinking about all the meals we had with Bakwell Pavel and how honored I was to go to his funeral and have Madeline speak, not me, because she could stand up in Prague in a very cold cathedral and give a passionate 
hot speech about her friend in Czech. And they love the fact that an American Secretary of State was a refugee from their country. And she was so wonderful. I've been thinking about that. I was thinking about two years ago when we took our last trip to Kosovo, when they were celebrating the 20th anniversary of their victory and ours in uh, ending the ethnic cleansing and the threat to Kosovo's very existence. And uh, we walked on a sunny day down the main street of town in a parade with all the Kosovo officials. And when we ended, we were down in a little park-like area where they dedicated a beautiful bus to Madeline and in tribute to the work she'd done there. Uh, you know, I'm really proud of the life she lived, and I'm so grateful that uh, Hillary and I became friends with her. I met her in 1988 when she was working in uh, Governor Dukakis's presidential campaign, and Hillary became quite close with her, and she was a strong supporter of her appointment as Secretary of State, and I'm so glad I did it. She did a great job. You named her U.N. ambassador uh, shortly after you were elected president in 1992. And as you said, four years later, you named her secretary of state. What were the qualities you saw in her then? You were, she was the first woman to serve in that job. I, first of all, I thought she represented America's best possible future. She was uh, an immigrant, a refugee, uh, an American citizen. Uh, I knew she was a great teacher because she taught at my alma mater at Georgetown and a couple of times was voted the best teacher in the, on the faculty by the students. And I thought she would be a clear voice in the United Nations for the world we were trying to build after the Berlin Wall fell. You know, keep in mind that my first term was the first full term any president had served since the end of the Cold War. Although President Bush had more than half of his term there, too. And... Uh, I thought it was really important that we build alliances and stand up for freedom because just because the Berlin Wall fell and the Soviet Union broke apart, it didn't mean that there were no more enemies of democracy and the rule of law and freedom. And so I thought she was important and she was great in handling the issues around Bosnia and later as Secretary of State, great with Kosovo and many other things that we did in Asia and Latin America and around the world to promote peace and freedom and security. Of course, being from Czechoslovakia, born in Czechoslovakia, she she was part of Eastern Europe. Um, and a woman, a woman for that era, with so much change in that part of the world. Oh yes, she was, and you know, she and her family <coughs> were basically had to leave Czechoslovakia twice. First, they were running from Hitler, and second, then they were running from Stalin. And uh, she developed a keen appreciation of the importance of liberty and the rule of law, and she lived the rest of her life trying to bring it to everybody else. And, of course, that part of the world right now, President Clinton, is in turmoil again with the crisis in Ukraine. I have to ask you, what more at this moment do you believe the United States and NATO could be doing to help the Ukrainian uh, people? And, and what is it going to take to stop Vladimir Putin? Well, first of all, let's give credit where credit's due. First to the Ukrainians. They have fought and fought and fought. And Russia can drop more bombs and fire more missiles from ships 
on Odessa, but the Ukrainians have fought like the devil, and they have put the lie to the whole world of Putin's argument that they really want to be part of Russia. It's just home to mother Russia. It's not true. And so uh, I, I think that uh, President Biden has done a good job of helping to unite the Europeans and unite NATO. Uh, and I say this with all respect to Switzerland, but it, it's been a rare occurrence in the last 50 years when the Swiss have walked away from the primacy of their banks and their politics. President Clinton, uh, we thank you so much for joining us. And again, uh, our condolences on the loss of your and Secretary Clinton's good friend, Madeleine Albright. Thank you. Thank you. She was a treasure for America. I wanted you guys to hear that. Now, <clears throat> as I always say, you know, I always talk about the the very importance of voting and I always make it clear I'm an independent voter so I don't want anyone to think that the end part of this interview that she did with former President Clinton is politically um, promoted by me it was just part of the interview I do agree with some of the stuff he said I won't say what stuff but you know Judy Woodruff is the person doing the interview this is on PBS NewsHour and she asked the question he answered it so I wanted to play the entire thing and also before I close this out because I think that everyone has really said everything I can say I want to apologize because, you know, when you do podcasting at home, and as you know, if you listen to me, I switch rooms sometimes for different scenery, and um, just everything just happened tonight. You hear all of a sudden one of the smoke detectors is beeping, so if you hear, I apologize, and little, little, little things outside was going on, so I apologize for background unnecessary noise. Anyway, I just wanted to give tribute. This is the last Wonderful Women Wednesday for Women History Month, and no better person deserves this than Madeline Albright. And, of course, we're going to always call her Madam Secretary, but as you heard, she was much more than that. And I thought there were so many amazing videos that I wanted to make sure I could play the three that you all were listening to. So I hope you enjoyed this episode and remember I am taking a temporary break. I will probably not come back until the holiday season, but maybe not because you never know politics is going on. We have a lot of races here in Georgia. Those who know me already know what, what I'm doing here in Georgia. Um, so I just want to ask you guys to just keep praying for each other. Stay safe. Everybody's opening up where people are going to be out. You know, COVID is not over. Remember that. So try to just keep yourself safe in whichever way is best for you. And I definitely want you guys to check out some of the other episodes. There's over 150 episodes and you'll, you'll, find something I think that will be entertaining to you. So I appreciate those who listen and I want to ask you to follow us on Twitter. We're at Advocacy Ladies. That's capital A as in Advocacy, capital L as in Ladies. We are now on Instagram, also at Advocacy Ladies. And I apologize for all my social media friends because I just haven't had the time to actually be active like I need to be and promote the podcast. But I'm going to get better. I'm just doing so many things right 
right now. I'm putting a lot of energy into a mentoring program that I'm honored to do back in my hometown of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So that's one of the reasons why I'm taking a break from the podcasting. But definitely, like I said, follow us, check us out. You know, the links are all available on my hosting podcast company, Podbean. So you can follow us on Podbean, Apple iTunes, Google Play, uh, Amazon Alexa, TuneIn, Pandora, and Spotify. So we're out there. The episodes are out there. And I ask you guys to just continue to uh, be safe. And you know, if you have any questions, comments, or subjects you want us to look into, because not only are we advocating and, and holding people, um, companies, and politicians accountable, this year we are doing celebrations because there's so many people that are doing great things, so I want to celebrate them as well. And so today we are celebrating Madeline Albright and her legacy that she leaves behind. And I will put the disclaimer in about a lot of negativity was out there about her as well. I mean, I'm not I, I'm not biased about anything. When I was doing research, I saw a lot of negativity out there, but I don't want to talk about that because this is called celebration. So you can go out there and see whatever negative things that she may have done, may not have done, or was accused of doing or not doing. I want to say that because I am aware of it. But you know, I always tell people, if you have any questions or comments, send us an email at podcasthost, shaypatay19 at gmail.com. You know, you can always give us a call at 404-855-7723. And you know, I like to end all of my episodes What the favorite question. What do you have to say? Thank you for listening. Thank you.